Today we start a series, continue our series, and it's called Building a Future. That's our big statement for the year. Repeat it with me, please. Say, Building, building a, future. a Future. Everybody in here is building something. You are building a future. Now, you may not think you are, but you are. If you don't believe you are building a future, what you're experiencing right now is what you built. This is what you built. Look at your bank account, look at your life, your health, your options. All those things are tied to your past behavior. And so if you don't like what you have today, then you need to maybe plan to build something else in the future. And that's what this is about. And it really points you, puts you in a place where you see you're responsible for that. It's not just God. You have a role to play in this, and that's what we're going to talk about today, your role in building a future. And I want to isolate for you the specific things that I think help that happen. And I also want to show you some things that could assassinate that. And that's another word that I want to kind of throw in the mixture for a little bit. I believe you can assassinate your future. You can do things that can absolutely destroy it all by yourself. You don't need anybody else to do it. You can do it with your attitude, your disposition, the way you approach people, the way you manage your money, the way you manage life, relationships, all of it. And you just ask yourself, in the last five dating relationships or one or however many you had, how, I'm sorry, how many, how many have you personally been involved with assassinating? Did you, did you say things you didn't have to say, act in ways you didn't have to act? And right now, you may be in the middle of some behavior that really is working against your goals. You know, Christmas time, you know, you can assassinate your budget, right? You start out right, <laughs> you go in the store, bam, kill yourself. And then for the next six months, you're screaming and yelling and praying for miracles that you didn't have to have. But that's something that we do to ourselves. And to me, that's really an important understanding. And so I have what I call a big question for every year. And the big question is, is, because I don't believe I can answer just dozens of questions every year. I think if I could get one thing in your mind, just one, or last year the question was, who are you and why are you here? What's your purpose? This year, my question is this, are you distracted? Now, I almost let that be the whole question. Am I a distracted person? But I went a little further. Am I distracted focusing on the wrong thing? and building a future that I will not love. I, I spent months thinking about that because I realized that in many um, seasons of my life in the past, I got distracted by people, sometimes ambitions, things that really didn't matter long term when I look back. Then I thought about jazzing up that question a little bit and saying it this way. Are you distracted assassinating your future focusing on the wrong thing and building a future you will not love. A little bit long, but you get the point. I, I've been just captured by this idea that I personally can assassinate. And it means to murder someone important when you say that word assassinate. I have the power in my hand to determine, and God gave me that. God gave me life and said, Temple, here it is. Now what are you going to do with this? These opportunities, these choices you can make. <clears throat> of course, I also have a big point for the year. Big question and a big point. If you become distracted in your mind, now listen carefully. If you become distracted in your mind about your money, about your gift, your priorities, and your disciplines, 
you will definitely assassinate your future and not build the future you desire. If you are the person who loses track of those, those things, now I'll be talking over the next few months about those four words, and it would be a little bit different, but let me give you the five words we'll be talking about. Repeat them, please. Say mind, mind. Approach, approach, gift, gift. Priorities, priorities, and discipline. Now, the reason I, I, the word money is used there for number two and not the word approach is because I, that's what I'm going to talk about, your approach to your resources, your approach to money, your approach to how you manage your, your financial resources. Once or twice a year, I talk about that because I really think it's important for a lot of people. If I can just fix your money problems, I fix a lot of your issues. And so I want, I want you to think with me for the first few months of the year, I'm going to talk about how you think, how you approach money, how you manage your gift. I'm going to do one month study on 1 Corinthians 12. It's going to be a great study. I can't wait to do it. And I want to talk about gifting, and I've talked about it a little bit last year, but there's a whole angle I didn't get to talk about because it ran out of time. And then I want to talk about the importance of priorities. What goes first? Until you define what goes first, you'll put the wrong thing in the wrong place, and you will always lose sight. Right now, I'm re I've reevaluated and realigned my entire schedule because I felt my priorities need to be clear. I'm a pastor. Trying to, right now, media, the small group Bible studies, the marriage on Sunday nights. Why do you think I'm doing that? Because I want to preach again? No. <laughs> I don't need another sermon. I'm doing it because I, I'm concerned about our married couples. I'm concerned about your relationships. You know, counseling is great, but some of you need to be in a session. Now, watch this. The ones who really need it won't come. And so I'm going to tell you to get a tape. When you call me, I'm going to say, get the tape. Because Sunday nights, when I do these Sunday nights, for singles, for marriage, for men, for I'm doing one for young teenagers. When I do it, I want you to come now, and I want you to let me talk to you. And it's, I'm not coming with a whole bunch of sermon notes. We're going to talk. It's going to be a talk time, a real fun time, down-home time. not going to bring any food, so come eat first. You know, <laughs> Don't come hungry because I'll send you to the water fountain. That's all I can offer you. But I'm, I'm not cooking for anybody. I'm just talking to you because I, I feel that all of us need time, and I felt Sunday was the best day I could make it work for everybody. So... You know, I just try not to have too much packed in your schedules where you're here. Or, you know, some churches you're there every night in the week. I don't want that. I want you to go home because I want to go home. Everybody say amen. amen. And so it's really important to me that you understand my goal is to help you prioritize your life and then build some strong disciplines. I, I didn't like that word, but that word is powerful. It can change your life, putting the right disciplines in your life. And we'll talk about that later on. But in today's sermon, we talk about the mind this whole month. The whole month we talk about how you think. And if you, and if you build the right thinking into your life, I call it building your mind, building the mind, you will change everything. And there's a, a couple of things that are dangerous if you don't. And so my goal, I have four goals, five goals this month. Number one, I want to show you the danger of questioning your main values. When you start mentally questioning your main values, you're not sure what you believe anymore, you're in trouble. There should be some main things you believe. Number two, I want to show you the danger of challenging, of changing rather, your main values. Changing things. Look at your life and ask yourself, have you changed? You didn't used to be that angry, that quickly, that frustrated, that often. What changed you? Thirdly, I want to show you the danger of explaining away your compromises. It's so easy when you, your mind gets in a certain place, you start justifying everything. Yeah, I'm mad because you made me mad. Yeah, I did this because, yes, because. 
all these incredible explanations. And then number four, I want to show you the danger of waiting until you're punished. Waiting until somebody has to, you know, grab you or challenge you or fire you or something bad has to happen before you face the fact that this is not a good direction. That, you know, that's what makes you change. You have to always be threatened before you change. The judge, something court date. Why? Why do you think that way? I think it's really sad. There's a sermon that I love. It's called The Famine Teaches. And I'm telling you, I have learned a lot during famine. I wish that wasn't true. I, you know, I just, I just don't, you know, I, I've, I've seen, um, as of late, um, several churches, um, they've gone bankrupt. I want to go, wow. Two just last week, friends of mine, one, one's a good friend. You know, you just sit there and I, you know, I reach out to them and pray for them and I care about them. And I'm thinking, man. Must we go through this? Must we? I was told in one city there's 15 churches on the market. 15. I just thought, wow. What, what is it about us that doesn't get it until something drastic happens? I think, our, I, I, I think we have a great assignment and a great calling. But you know, it, it's not just church, it's families. Can you pause for a minute and think about this? You're in a famine, but are you learning anything? Are you learning anything from this icy house? Everybody's walking around not talking. What is that about? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Full of the Spirit. Why, why are we like that? Why, why am I not talking to you? with my saved, sanctified, bible feel, Holy ghost feel self. Why? How can I possibly do that and know God so well? At some point, we should pause and say, you know, I need to learn from this famine. Everybody has them. And, you know, the deacons are mad with the pastor, and the pastor's mad with the choir, and the choir's mad with the ushers, and, and the sound people mad with everybody, and the, the piano player's mad. And What is that? Is Pastor Rick talking about somebody? No. I don't have those. I, I, I'll, I'll go to people. I'm a, to you, I'm a, I'm a very much to your face person. I really am. I, 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 you ask them. You start fighting around here, everybody be silent. We won't have anything, no band, nothing. We'll play, we'll play tapes. I don't care. We're not going to have all that because that's a bunch of foolishness. Can we say amen to that? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's a bunch of foolishness. That is. That's a bunch of foolishness. I have done that. I have done that. I have done that. We had time. We didn't have a band. I just, did we play, play a tape? Play some good videos. You need to pause your life and ask yourself, am I thinking right? What is it about my thinking that makes this okay? It's not okay. And, and you can't build the right future if you think that way. And sometimes that's the, that's the revelation. My thought process is, has got to be off. And I want to show you in, first, in Genesis chapter 3 a couple whose thought process got off. And I want to show you two signs your mind is going in the wrong direction. Two signs. I want to show you that God's ultimate goal is to renew your life when you fail. His ultimate goal is to strengthen your life and bless you. 
But the challenge is, if you think two ways, two things happen in your life, if you ignore these two things, you, you'll miss that your mind's going in the wrong direction. So first thing I want you to look at the questions you ask is the first sign and the changes you make. Say that with me, please. Someone say the questions you ask, the questions you ask. And, the changes you make. and the changes you make. Now let me read the statement because I want to make sure everybody understands something. I think questions are great. I'm a big question person, you can tell, if you listen to me teach. Here's a quote I love. It's in a book called Leading with Questions. Um, uh, here's what he says, Michael Marquette. He says, the ability to ask questions goes hand in hand with the ability to learn. A learning organization, look at that again, a learning organization is only possible if it has a culture that encourages questions. We just said two, two days this week, we had a strategic planning meeting with our staff and we spent two days with me, full days asking questions. They had 23 questions, 23 things they want to talk about. I like to start my meetings out with what's on your mind. I know what's on mine. Tell me what you want to ask me about. And, we, and I listed them, and we went through each one, and I gave us, it was, it was powerful. And I think there's something healthy about letting your family, your kids ask questions. So I'm not opposed to questions, but I want, I want you to listen to this. There's some things you should never question. There's some things that should be settled in your mind. And when you start questioning certain things, you're headed down a road that's not healthy. Listen to what happened, and this is in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read all the verses. You'll see them under the main point, so just kind of follow me along as you can. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2 of Genesis chapter 3. And the woman said to the serpent, We may not eat, we may eat rather of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you do what? Die. Die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That's an important conversation here. Verse 5, so for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That's the issue. You will be like God. Note with me three things that the serpent questioned when talking to Eve. Three things that are insightful for us. Number one, he questioned what God said. It's really dangerous when you don't know what's wrong, what the instructions were. Imagine how dangerous that is to go on your job and not know what you're supposed to do. You're in the CEO's office thinking you're in charge and you're really supposed to be in maintenance. <laughs> when they hired you, they said, this is what you do. God said, here's what I want you to do and not do. Be real clear. But notice he questioned what God said to him. Secondly, he questioned the consequences of ignoring what God said. You will not die. You will not die. If you do this, it's okay. And, and, and it's really easy to step to this next thing. And this is really interesting because... Once he questioned the consequences, then he questioned, lastly, the motive. He questions what God said. He questioned the consequences of ignoring what God said. And then he questioned God's motive for saying what he said. In other words, he says, God knows that the day you eat of it, you'll be, you'll be like him. You'll be like God. Really? So this is where your mind is now. And what's really amazing is, there are three big lessons in this that are amazing. And, and listen to the three big lessons. 
If you want to change a person's future, change, change who they listen to. Who do you listen to? Who is the voice in your ear? Who are your friends? And then weigh this out. Weigh out what you now question since they've been in your life. Weigh out the way you view consequences now compared to when you, before you knew them. There are some women who never would have done certain things until they dated certain people. You wouldn't even think that way. Your whole processing has changed. Your view of right and wrong has changed. Your view of love has changed. Your, your tolerance has changed. You know, in order to be an abused person, your mind has to change. You have to be beat enough, threatened enough until you, you're, you just kind of think this is okay. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against spanking, per se. I, my children would say, how could you not be against it? Wish you were like that before. <laughs> but I've learned something about it. I might intimidate you. I, can I share a concept with you? That is, it's, 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 it's in a book called Start With Why. And he shared this incredible concept that was really powerful, I thought. He talked about manipulation and inspiration. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. Manipulation and inspiration. In selling people things, you use the techniques sometimes of manipulation. So for example, I want you to buy this, this phone. I give you a 90-day, same as cash deal. I just want you to buy this phone today. I, I put together a program to manipulate you into where if you don't buy today, you miss the 90-day deal. You, you with me? I'm not trying to develop a long-term relationship. I am not trying to inspire you. Inspiration's different. Inspiration means I want you to see the value of this phone, how it changes your life, how you can use it to work and it can save you money. I want you to think how great people use this phone because it's, it, it it helps make their, their, I show you the children, you know, uh, alarm going off and all the things that, see, I'm annoyed to see a children, the children alarm going off, all that to inspire you. Most people who own this iPhone people, honestly, got Apple people, they're inspired. They talk like a religion almost. You, you seen them? I've got an iPhone. The new one's coming out tomorrow. I'm going out in the cold at four in the morning and wait in line. Really? Really, you are? Yeah. Manipulating, manipulating people, and church folks have done this a long time, you manipulate to get one offering. And so I get one offering, but I haven't inspired you to join the team to help us accomplish the mission. And so I don't need to manipulate you with one offer. I need you to become a part of the team. Give me an amen if you hear me. Amen. And so what's interesting is here is a person being manipulated. Satan is manipulating. Adam and Eve. And there's something tragic when you look at your life and you see you've been manipulated. Put in a place where now all your values are now questioned. Everything that you believe is now suspect. And you have compromised and you've done things that you don't believe in or didn't believe in. And what's sad is you haven't even noticed. You haven't noticed your temperament. You haven't, you haven't noticed what you watch. I am such a movie fan. I, mean, I don't think there's anybody in here. 
that's more of a movie fan than me. Theater, movie, I go to, I fly to New York to watch a theater. I mean, I like it that much. I love it. I can name places. I mean, they've got some great shows around the country, around the world. But I have to make choices. <laughs> I have to make choices. Uh, you know, I was, I was in a theater one time. I, I paid this money to get in, and I, I was watching this theatrical thing. And um, if I tell you a little bit more, you might even know what it is. I'm trying to be graceful. I'm not trying to show, show shade on anybody, but it was shady. Let me tell you. And I had to make a decision. And I had, I had a, my family, I had a bunch of people with us that I bought tickets for. Just one thing if I walk out with my ticket. But when I pay my money and I paid a few hundred dollars for everybody to be here, we staying through this. <laughs> we just going to pray. But we, we ain't leaving, praise God. We're going to sit here and deal with this. But it got so bad. It got so bad. And I said, I've got to go. I got to just donate my money and say, made a bad choice thought it was okay because I value my spirit and I value what I communicate to the people with me Amen. and there's something about and I don't say that it sounds spiritual or super gracious righteous or anything because I, I, I like I said I love theater I love stuff but there, there where is your line what, what's changed in you so much so that you will and it's funny it's, it's not even something you pay to, you're on television and you, you'll sit there and, and you're just, you're just, you're just, this storyline, this direction is inconsistent with everything you believe. But it's entertainment. And so we, we, we become people who have the second big thought here, change. The questions you ask, the changes you make. Notice with me, if you would please, this, this dialogue that goes on that really is a, a quite fascinating, starting in verse 6. Notice what the danger, notice the danger when things change in their thinking. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. <laughs> she saw it, she ate it, and then verse next verse says in same verse 6 she also gave to her husband with her notice I, he was with her he was, it was not, Adam was not absent during this whole exchange with the serpent and then he ate then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked they were naked and they sewed leaves fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and then they, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. I want you to notice three things that happen when you change. First of all, notice it affects how you see things. What was okay is no longer okay. Secondly, it affects how you relate to others. You share your new views. How many people have you led astray? How many people have you helped get on drugs or helped to go too far in their choices? How many people? Now, you know, I can stand here and pretend I've never been a bad influence, but I have. 
Sure, in my early days growing up, made choices, maybe they weren't great. And I think sometimes it's, it's hard to admit I am becoming a bad influence. I'm becoming a person who's, who's encouraging my children to be a certain way. And when I see it in them, I'm, I'm wondering, well, why are you like that? Well, come on, be real for a moment. They see you two go at it, and then they go at it with someone, and you, you're wondering why they go at it. They don't tell the truth, and you know, you, know, you tell them. I remember it's so funny. One time my mom tells a story when, when I was a kid. She says, go tell the, you used to have the insurance guy come collect the insurance. You remember that? Some of you don't know about the days when they have to come and collect it every month. And the guy would come to the door, and he'd say, hey, oh, God, it's the insurance guy. You know, he wants his $10 or whatever. And, uh, and so my mom said, go tell him I'm not here. I said, my mama says she's not here. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great story. That's not what I really meant, Rick. Hi, how are you? Sorry, $10. But, you know, there's this amazing <laughs> thing we don't want to face about our impact. I saw this wonderful uh, video, which I probably should show in church, on the millennials. And um, at rickytemple.com, I post videos. So if you go to rickytemple.com, click on articles, resources, and then there's articles. I, I post my favorite videos, favorite articles, things I'm reading. I'll put it up this week, but it's the thing I did on, it's one on millennials. And it talks about, he gives this incredible summary of millennials and the things they want to do. They want things right now. And they don't like to wait. They stay on jobs three to five years. They move around a lot. And, and he says, they, they want to, but they want to make a difference in the world, but they're not sure what that means. And then he says this great thing. He says, a lot of the way they think is tied to parenting. The way we parent them, we told them every, that they're the most important people in the world. They can be anything they want to be. They can have it all. And then when they get to the point where they want it all, now we're confused. They don't want to wait for anything. They're not patient, but we help create that. They need patience, he says. Patience. You just have to stop and wait a minute. If the relationship doesn't go right away, well, right away, you leave, you quit, break up, it's over, maybe mad. Fight, give up. Even though you're brilliant, great, smart generation, 60% of my staff are millennials. Half the churches, oh yeah, we got millennials all over this place. But at the end of the day, and those are, depending upon how you add it up, but those born from 1980 to 2000, I mean, but 16 to 35, up in there. But there's a tremendous, the average age in our church is 31, by the way. But what's really fascinating is to see how they've been affected and how they're affecting each other, both good and bad. It affects how you see things when you change. It affects how you relate to others. And then lastly, it affects how you relate to God. They hid from him. You know, I just have this thought that maybe that's the reason why people aren't coming to church. Maybe that's the reason they're not praying. You know, forget coming to church for a minute. Put, put coming to church on the side. That's a small part of your spiritual growth, by the way. It's an important part, but it's not all. If you only read the Bible in here, you're, you're in trouble. If you only, think about it, if you only eat in here in this building once a week, you don't live long. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big, I, I believe in church. 
But you have to understand, for me, I grew up unchurched. We didn't go to church much. So I don't really come off trying to, like, push church. Does that make sense? I'm not. I, I want to push a vision. Not just coming to a place. I want to push that we gather to prepare to go accomplish a mission. This is about training and growing and becoming somebody. Amen. It's about a family getting together saying, let's get stronger together so we can go out and make a difference in the world. That's what this is about. So I'm not really pushing church. I'm, I'm trying to, to find out what in the world happened to us where we changed so much that we don't want to be around this. What is it that, think about this, think about this for a minute. Why don't you want to be around people who think like this, who study the word? What, what's happened in your life that everything is about work and money and, and you? That's what's turning off millennials, by the way, with church people. Because the, the, the assumption is it's all about us. And see, I, I think that, that we should be more than that. But maybe, maybe that could explain the decline in prayer. People aren't praying. People are not studying the Bible. People aren't, you know, church attendance is an issue. Maybe it, it's become hard for them to be around the God they disagree with. Maybe it's hard to be around the God you disagree with. You don't want to be around people who challenge you sometimes. So no, no, this could explain a lot. Maybe they become, maybe, maybe you come to church, I love this, just to medicate your guilt. You no longer really believe the forbidden fruit is dangerous. The forbidden fruit in your mind is no longer dangerous. It's, yeah, it tastes good, so great. Drink as so much as I want, do what I want, say what I want, cuss, whatever I want to do, fight, doesn't matter. I can do anything, there's no boundaries. There's no, and I'm not picking on anybody's flaw or any, I, I really don't. I really don't, I don't like to be petty like that. I don't. I really don't. Somebody came to me the other day and, he, and then they got drunk or something. I said, did you like it? Did you have a good time? Okay, let's move on past that. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? You know, you did something. Okay, well, did you enjoy it? I don't think that the issue for me is to pick on your flaw. I want to matter back, I want to do a whole sermon on issues. I just don't, I don't, I don't like getting up here <clears throat> picking on people's issues. I don't think that, that I have the power to um, <clears throat> control your issues. I, I, if you can't control them, what do you think I can do? <clears throat> it's been my life, you know, worrying about that. I, <clears throat> I think my issue is for me to make sure that my mind is in the right place and to do the best I can to help you get your mind in the right place so you can think better. So you can have a better life and so you can have a better future because you are building a future. And if the changes you're making are not in your best interest, you need to pause for a minute. If you're, if you're starting to question your values, if you're starting to get away from what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to be, the future can't be good for you. But if we as a church, if we as a people, if I as a husband and the father allow myself to focus on the things that really matter and put my mind in the right place, I can build a future that I'll enjoy, that God wants me to have, that you want to have, that I want to have. When I see all the things that are happening around us, it concerns me. Because we're becoming less and less transparent. And that's the big issue about them being unclothed. They covered themselves. What are you hiding behind? What do you hide? What is it that you don't want anybody to know? I, I, I think there's something profound that happens when you 
really, really think it's okay to tell the truth. To step out from behind pride and family name and ethnic, whatever, whatever you, can, you can use a lot of things to hide behind. I can hide behind being black. I can hide behind, well, I don't have opportunity because I'm black. I can, make it, I can make it all about that. I can make it all about being a guy. Men don't get treated right. I can, you, you can make it about women. Women don't get treated right. You can, you can make it about whatever you want. You can hide behind anything. And, and there's something about not getting behind anything but standing before God open and saying, this is me. This is where I am. This is the truth. This is what I like and don't like. These are the things I've changed. I need to change back. These are, this is where I am. Easy to hide in here, trust me. Oh, this is a perfect place to hide. Dress up, come here, smile, and say, thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. Tell them, say, praise the Lord. See, you can hide right behind that. Bam, right there, big banner. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you can. You can hide behind that. And you can, you can really be, you can mask it with gospel songs, gospel dance, music. You can do it. You can do All that works. But it still doesn't tell me what your mind is. Next week I pick up on this theme and I talk about the high price of thinking, explaining, I'm sorry, the high price of explaining away your compromises. They gave some of the most incredible answers to God when he asked them, why did you do this? What happened and why did you do this? Their answers are life-changing. Their answers say a lot about where they were and how much they changed. I don't know how long Adam and Eve lived before this encounter in chapter 3. Could have been 100 years, could have been a long time, don't know. But I know one thing. It was amazing. And I know for you, some of you are on the border right now. And the Lord's trying to arrest you at the beginning of this year. And here's the big, the big challenge for you. Are you willing to change the way you think so you can build the future you really want? If you won't change then there's not much that we can do to help you. You can hear a thousand more sermons. You'll just question everything you're told. And you'll just migrate down your own road. My prayer today is that you would open your heart and mind and say, Lord, maybe, maybe I have made some changes I don't need. Maybe I've allowed some people to influence me that I need to rethink. They may mean well, but that's not the point. This is not the direction I need for my life. Why do you need friends to stop you from doing your homework? Help me understand that. Why are you calling me? You know this is homework day, but what's the deal? I have this little thing I send to people. Monday is Diane's day. I made it that day because I realized most preachers don't have great marriages. <laughs> That's just my experience. So normally when people call me on Monday, I say, I love you, but it's Monday, it's Diane's day. I'll get back with you tomorrow. I named it after I'm not trying to be some super husband. I'm just realizing that it would just take over my life. You know, you know what she told me one day? I worry more about, she said this early in our marriage. She says, I worry more about losing you to busy than anything. Busy could be the other woman. <laughs> busy. Gone. Tired. Always running around. That's why this year I really changed my schedule. I said, no, nah, I got to work out. What kind of schedule you got? You can't work out. You can't exercise. You can't. What is this? You know, you look down and you go, Jesus, help me. What in the world is happening here? This is not God. It's okay. I'm doing good today. But wow, if you don't watch it, 
can't bend down, can't everything aching, knees hurt. Why don't you pause? Why don't you just sit down for a minute? How about that? Just sit down. There you go. That don't hurt, does it? Father, help us today to stop. Check ourselves. Help us to realize that what really matters is what we should be focused on. We have lost our ability to see what's happening to us. We've lost our ability to recognize we have slipped. We're no longer a part of the team. We're all soloists on our own, doing our own thing. We're not united with you, trying to help accomplish kingdom purposes. We're not united with our family. We're just kind of floating along. So, Lord, I pray today you help us pull on the side of the road and just stop. Just like I sat on this pulpit chair, or pulpit rather today, help them to sit down. Just think about this. And God, I pray for healing today. I pray for healing today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus. How many of you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, you got daughters, and you need to improve your relationship with your daughter? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Put them up high. You want to improve your relationship with your daughter? It's good. Leave those hands. Father, heal those. Heal those relationships today. Touch them in Jesus' name. May they call and conversate and talk in the name of Jesus. Hands down. How many of you got sons? Sons, and you need to really heal some relationship with your son. Raise your hand. Let me see. Father, touch them in Jesus' name. Heal those relationships. Touch them. Deliver them, I pray. Strengthen them in Jesus' name. Hands down. You're married, and it's not always easy. Raise your hand. Both of them. Go ahead. Put them up. Put them up. <laughs> I didn't say what difference. It's not easy. Raise your hand. Come on. Healing in Jesus' name. Strength. Grace. Victory power. Now lift all, all hands lifted, please. So you can lift your hands. I'm going to help you right now. Every hand lifted. Help us, Lord, heal. Help us, Lord God. Help us see what we've changed. Help us, Lord God, put our mind in the right place. Help us get aligned with your will. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us not explain away our issues. Help us not blame others for what's happened to us. Help us for a moment just take ownership of our life. Maybe people did things, but that's not where we're going to start today. We're going to let you talk to us about us. And we give you glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. We give you praise in the name above all names. And everyone say amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap if you're glad you came. Come on, God is good today. Praise God. Let me pray one final prayer before we leave, maybe two. Five, his bowed one more time. Lord, I pray for people today who come to this service and maybe they have never given a really, have been in a relationship with you, but they realize they need a relationship with you. I ask you, Lord God, to touch their hearts and their minds if they're here today and they've not entered into a relationship with you. They're not, they're not perfect people. They can't be perfect overnight, but you died on the cross 
to give them a chance to start fresh, to start a new walk with you. And I pray that in this room today, those who, who need that, that this would be a day of healing for them, that they would say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life from this day forward. If that's your desire, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray a prayer for you. Raise your hand. You say, Pastor, that's my prayer. I see you. I see you. Anybody else say, that's me. I see you. Anybody else say, that's me. I see you as well. Anybody else say, pray this prayer for me, Pastor. I, I want to get my life right with the Lord. I want to start a new walk today. Father, I pray for these who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. Let this be the beginning of a new walk for them, a new day. I ask you, Lord God, to let this day change their lives forever. May they leave this place saying, today I started my new walk with God. And may this be, Lord, the turning point for them. Thank you for your grace and your, and your word in their life today. Healing in Jesus' name. Salvation, which means to be delivered from their past life. Let this be the beginning of that new life. In your name we pray and everyone say amen.